We uh, continue our fall series this morning, Alive with Jesus in the Gospel of John, and this theme just lines right up with what we're going to be looking at, the text this, this morning in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus and the music and everything was just so lined up. Uh, listen to the words from John uh, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. The text doesn't say, uh, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. It says, the one you love is sick. I actually need it worded exactly like that. Because I normally approach the Lord um, based on my love for him. And mostly I don't think I'm doing very well loving him. Uh, and when I do approach God, it's, uh, it's often like a little cowering puppy who's waiting to be put back in his kennel. Like the other night, I, I, I went to bed, Linda was already asleep, and I pulled up the covers, and, I, and here's what comes out of my mouth. Lord, how did I do today? So I need the words, the one you love is sick. I mean, isn't it awesome that Jesus loves us? Kent is the one Jesus loves. I mean, First John 4 says this, um, we love because he first loved us. Or here's the crazy disciples Jesus is always working with in John 15, 15. Jesus says this to these crazy disciples. Um, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I mean, here's the truth. Jesus doesn't love you because he sort of has to, because he's God. He has to just kind of put up with it. Yeah, that's just what I do. No. I mean, would you rather hear are you loving Jesus? Sorry, are you loving Jesus? Leal, are you loving Jesus? George, how are you doing loving Jesus these days? Or would you rather hear Sam? You're the one Jesus loves. I mean, wouldn't you rather hear that? You're the one Jesus loves. Hannah, you're the one. And he, he's, so, he's so in love with you. Like he, He's your friend. He loves you so much. But mostly I measure my life on how well I'm loving Jesus. Um, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, uh, verse 6 in the same chapter says that he stayed where he was for about uh, two more days. And uh, just needed to kind of see your face over there a little bit. No. And uh, finally when he arrives, there's this huge crowd in Bethany and uh, Lazarus has already died. He's been dead for about four days, and he's been placed in a tomb. So let's read some more. John 11. This is a long section, so I'm breaking this up. John 11. Uh, now let's look at 21 and 32. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, this is after he arrived, after staying two days after he heard Lazarus was sick. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, 
was late. That gives me hope, based on our staff meeting yesterday. Um, <laughs> in a sort of a dark way, uh, this is good news to me. Uh, I want to get into the story, play a little game, and uh, yeah, so yes, I am late, uh, and I, I am sometimes late, yeah, I admit, that's because I'm an Enneagram 7. <laughs> I, I'm an extrovert, I'm really extroverted, and so I know there's a party somewhere, and I need to be there. In fact, there's one going on right now, I gotta go. So, it's 5 o'clock, or, you know, I don't know. So, I have a tendency to get caught up in the fun, and uh, I mean, what... What could be more important than fun, you know? And uh, so I was late to my wedding rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. My wife, Linda, still married me, which was a miracle. I went up to pick up my friend. It was in Seattle at Seattle Pacific University at the campus church there. And so I went down early in the morning to pick up my friend Rano and my friend Greg down in Tacoma. They were PLU grads, but we all graduated. And uh, so we just stopped to play some putt-putt golf on the way back. <clears throat> it was not good. It's good to know that Jesus and I have something in common. But have you ever felt that panic feeling, though, you know, um, that desperate panic? Like, honestly, that cry of despair, you were late. You should have been here. And I'm wondering why Jesus waited two more days. He's God like, don't you know stuff about this? You're late. If you had been on time, my grandma. You know, if you had been on time, my brother, the car, the accident, the fire, that wouldn't have, if you'd been on time. God, where are you? Are you going to show up? I mean, the questions haven't changed, have they? But <laughs> Jesus is late and my late are like two different things. <laughs> uh, I, and you've heard this before. It's kind of a classic Greek thing. In, in the Greek world, there are two words for time, two understandings of time. There's what's called chronos, which we get the word chron chron chronological. It's like sequential time, like the calendar time, like from I was born and then I lived and I died at 80 time. Human time, we call it. And there's another word for time in Greek called kairos, which is God's time. It's the perfect time. It's the right, exact right time. Kairos time. We see this like in Mark 1.15 um, when Jesus said, the kairos, the time, has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kairos, God's perfect time. There was this perfect time when Jesus came. And it was the perfect time for him to begin to start his ministry. The kairos time. God's time. There's a difference between my late and Jesus' late. I love the idea of kairos. Um, God's time. But it's sometimes sort of hard to believe. Because all of my whole life is centered on Chronos time, human time. Let's read on, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. 
Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Deeply moved. In Greek, that word is embrim meomai, big kind of a Greek word. It means um, to groan, or it can also mean to be angry, to be moved with anger. What was Jesus angry at? What was he groaning about? Now, this might be a little theology by Kant, but here's the idea. I think it's a good one. I think Jesus was saddened and angry at the reality of death. I think he was angry and grieving about the reality of, of mourning and weeping and sadness. And so he groaned with an angry sort of groan. I mean, I think Jesus was angry and groaning over the state of the falling world, wishing it didn't have to be this way. Frustrated that it wasn't the right kairos. Now, I don't get it. For the coming, like, for the coming, like of the new heaven and, and the new earth. I mean, we long for that, don't we? This new heaven and new earth, especially these days, it seems like at the end of the semester, we need fall, we're longing maybe more for fall break than a new heaven and new earth. I don't know. But we should be long, longing for a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, we long for this in Revelations, right? I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. This is Revelations 21. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. Get it? For the older things have passed away. Revelations 21. We long for that. I think Jesus was longing for that in that very moment as he groaned in the midst of this whole town coming together and saying, you're late, he's dead, four days in a tomb. You, you could have saved him. He was angry that it wasn't time for that, for Re Revelations 21, that it wasn't the right kairos and that death and weeping and suffering are still the realities of our world. We're going to memorize some scripture today. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. To think that God cried. That God would care so deeply for a family's hurt that he would stand there and weep. We get one verse. In John 11, Jesus then makes the statement of statements. Check this out. Jesus said this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor. For he's been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, 
come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, I love this, pick out the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Whew! It's awesome. But I also have a problem. And you should have a little problem. Because you might be saying, whoa, Kent. I'm not sure I like what you're laying down here. You know, like, if you haven't figured out by now, uh, this story is very different than the outcomes of my story. Because in my reality, people die. People don't get raised from the dead. So, Ken, unless you're going to like do some kind of thing that you might want to shut up and move on to a different story. I hear you. Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, but he didn't bring my friend Patty back. Didn't bring Julie back, Mom. Didn't bring my friends Jim, my best friend, on a bike accident back. He didn't bring your uncle or your friend and it raises an existential question for you philosophers here in the room, <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Why didn't Jesus do more miracles? Why not just heal everybody? Jesus, it's not fair. You know, who you choose to heal or how miracles even happen. Like, I'm struggling with fairness and equity and inclusion. And I mean, if you can do one miracle, then why don't you do a million? Like, why don't you just stop the whole human existence thing and return and get it over with so we don't have to be sad and suffer and wonder about the mystery of death and it's so hard lord it's just so hard just heal everyone come back and stop this this crazy life of mortality i'm tired of chronos i need kairos and i want it now so what do we do? Because here's the truth. <laughs> Everybody in this room is going to die someday. We ain't getting out of here alive. The Catholic priest and renowned um, author Henry Nowen, who passed away some years back, says this. The joy of the gospel isn't that Jesus came down to take away all our trouble, pain, suffering, and disease. The joy of the gospel is that Jesus came down to be with us. Jesus is with us. Oh, my Lord. Is it 823 or 28? Oh, did I, have, did I have time? Okay. That's why the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. That's why it's so powerful. Jesus knows what we're going through right now because he went through it and it was deeply moved and was groaning. He wept knowing that this miracle was just temporary. The miracle was temporary. Have you ever thought about the fact that Lazarus had to die again? Like after the raging party, can you imagine that party, the resurrection party? It would have been crazy. Like it must have gone to four in the morning. I mean, just bumping. I mean, and then Lazarus falls to bed at 4 a.m. and lays there and had this, this shudder. Oh, no. Dang, I, I, I got to do this again. Have you ever thought it was what that must have been like? Because only three times did Jesus bring anyone back from the dead. And they all died again. Worship team, you can come up.
But there's more. The raising of Lazarus was a pointer, a visual of what will be. Because there was a fourth person who rose from the dead. A fourth person. John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. It's amazing. Jesus rose. And it's really funny. She looked as she was there, and she thought she saw who was the gardener, but it was Jesus. She didn't recognize his voice. I wonder why she didn't recognize his voice. My thought was this. Maybe there were too many tears. Maybe she was, was filled with anger and hurt and grief and fear that she wasn't able to see the reality of who was standing in front of her. And it was only when Jesus said her name, Mary, did she know and recognize him. So for us, our tears, our fears, our grief, our lack of belief, they can blind us to the deeper truth of how close Jesus really is. Sometimes our pain and loss can blind us to the reality that this life does not have the final word. Death does not have the final say. I'm glad there was a fourth resurrection. Because of Jesus, I have 